0: Awesome. Well, good morning. good morning. We would love for you, if you've never been to Connect Lunch, to go to Connect Lunch. You can hear a lot about who we are and how we're planning world domination, and you don't want to miss out on that. So, uh, we'd love for you to go. Staff is there. Time for you to ask questions. Some of you may have just started following Jesus, It'd be a great way for you to take a next step. So, just encourage you, just go out in the lobby and you can sign up for that. So, we are in this series called Life Bombs. Man, I just noticed today we have some of our college kids in the room. Come on, yeah. I just had one question. will will y'all guys stay like will you not go back we'd love for you to stay okay yeah they're like yes okay their parents are gonna kill me um hey so I just have a question for you as you think about this uh, as we get into this series today what did you worry about this week like I don't have to ask if you worried about something do I what, what is it that you worried about this week? What occupied your mind? What kind of overtook your thoughts? Maybe you woke up thinking about it. Uh, maybe you were driving home when you had all that silent, quiet time. And even though there was a podcast on the radio, you just began to think about something. What is it that you worried about this week? You know, worry has this way of running rampant through our lives. Have you noticed that? And this is a little bit about how worry works. How many of you guys, how many of you guys travel? How many of you, men and women, how many of you folks travel? Like a lot of you. H- have you noticed there's this great desire and urgency around being sure that you carry your luggage on the plane, that you have a spot in the overhead bin when you get on the plane? Have you noticed this? Like if you've ever flown, you know that, you know, people will start kind of getting in line with their luggage. They pretend to not see that you're already in line and they kind of sneak over and get in front of you. And it's not. Not because they think you're going to take their seat. They know their seat's reserved. Their biggest fear is not that the plane is going down. Their biggest fear is that their carry-on baggage isn't going to have room in the overhead compartment and they're going to have to check it. And you know what that means? Luggage goes into the belly of the beast. It goes down under and who knows what can happen. And here's how our minds work when it comes to fear. We, we, we try to get our luggage on, we don't get it on. So we check it. And when we check it, we know what's going to happen. We're going to get to our destination and it is going to be lost. And it's going to be lost. We're going to have to look for it. It's going to make us late for our meeting. And if we're late for our meeting, guess what? Our boss is not happy. And if our boss is not happy, then we're going to lose our job. And then when we lose our job, guess what happens? You can't pay for your house, so you're going to lose your house and then you you lose your house, you're going to lose your family because what family wants to say with some loser who can't keep a house, right? I mean, come on. And so you've gone from worrying about just this simple thing of checking your luggage to all of a sudden you are lonely and homeless. And there's no basis in reality. You know how many bags actually get misplaced a year? 0.6%. Less than one in a 1,000. And, of course, some of you are thinking, I'm the one. No, you weren't. And this is the way worry works. It has just this ability to to slowly take over our thoughts, to silently distract us, and to step by step steal our joy. We live in a culture of fear, don't we? We live in a climate of fear. I stumbled on this this picture about climate change. Stop climate change before it changes you. You're going to turn into a fish or whatever this is. With the eye in the middle of your forehead. Now, I'm not, this is not a political statement on climate change. What I'm saying is, this, is this really what's going to happen? Right? We live in a culture and a climate of fear. Like just, just watch the news. We live in a climate of fear. Man, we sell things based on fear. We want to vote based on fear. Everywhere you turn, watch this. Even in our own building, there's antibacterial hand soap. Because we are afraid of catching a germ. Like, how many of you, when you grew up, you had the five-second rule, right? You dropped something on the ground. You ate it, right? Listen, we'd be in the bathroom and drop something. I'd just pick it up and eat it. Like, it didn't matter. Like, that's not true. I was just kidding there. But, you know, we live in this culture and this climate of fear. Now, now I, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to minimize fear, right? I'm just trying to prioritize freedom. Let's not minimize fear. But and the reality is some fear can be good. Some fear is good. Some fear can protect you. So, for instance, if you found this in your garage like I did, notice this. Yeah, that's massive. Some of you came look at that, right? This massive copperhead, it's got really, really sharp teeth, and it is really long. It was like 17 feet long, curled up in my garage, so I had to call my wife to come get it. It was terrible. You know, and some of you, even now, your skin's crawling, your palms are sweating because of a picture on a screen like we live. Some things it's, it's good to be afraid of. Sometimes it's good for us to just realize that, oh, wow, that's going to keep me safe. But, but predominantly, that's not, that's not the kind of fear, not the kind of anxiety that we have. You know, in the Bible, the number one command is not love God. You'd think that'd be first, right? It's not, it's not love people. The number one command is do not fear. Number one command, do not fear. That includes being afraid it includes worry it includes anxiety and all of the other words that kind of flow under do not fear watch there's just a handful of verses i just punch through real quick where we see this in the bible have i not commanded you the lord said be strong and courageous do not be frightened and don't be dismayed for the lord your god is with you wherever you go Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be, let's say this together, afraid. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? You didn't receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And God does not want us to be afraid. Here's the thing about fear. Fear drives our behavior, and it detonates our dreams. Fear drives our behavior. It it tells us and determines what steps we'll take, what job we'll take, what relationship we'll go into, how we'll view the world, and it detonates the dreams that God has for our lives. Like how can how can we dismantle fear this morning? Some of you are bogged down in some significant anxiety and fear. For some of you, it's just a low-level nagging, like the hum of a radio that's turned way too low and you barely hear it, but it's holding you back and it's keeping you prisoner from the joy that God has for you. How can we dismantle fear in a climate and a culture of fear? So let's look at what Jesus has to say about that. We're going to be in the Bible in Matthew chapter 6 today. Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to just read through this whole passage. Now this is from what's called the Sermon on the Mount. And what Jesus is doing here is Jesus is kind of helping us to recalibrate and recapture a new way of seeing the world. And so he goes through a lot of different categories of life. And then he comes to this thing around anxiety and worry. And he says, don't do that. And so what I want to do is I want to read through the whole thing so you know where it lands, so you'll understand that this is not just some trite cliche that Jesus is trying to give to us, but actually some practical, powerful tools that will help us in our quest for freedom. So let's just start out in verse 25, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Jesus is reading. If you have a, if you have a Bible that has red letters in it, this is all in red, because red is the words that Jesus physically spoke it says therefore i tell you don't be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you'll drink or about your body what you're going to put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing look at the birds of the air they neither sow nor reap or gather into barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them aren't you of more value than they are and which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life and why are you anxious about clothing consider the lilies of the field They neither toil or spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not dressed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, tomorrow is thrown in the oven. Won't he clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, don't be anxious saying, what shall we eat and what shall we drink and what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So so, so if, if you started out in verse 25 and he said, don't be anxious, it sounds a little bit like, don't worry, be happy. It sounds a little bit like it's got no teeth and no power. So that's why I wanted us to be sure we took a look at verse 34. When Jesus says, don't be anxious for tomorrow, we'll be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What's he saying here? There is trouble, right? There will be trouble. There will be things that are hard. There will be things that hurt, and he wants to help. And for some people, you go through such a high level of anxiety, I would never want to minimize it. I understand that you sometimes don't know how you're going to get out of bed. Like sometimes you feel so afraid of going into a crowd of people because you're just afraid for some unknown reason. You can't identify and you can't pinpoint or articulate that something so devastating is going to happen to you. And for some people, maybe it's not quite on that level. So I don't want to minimize fear again. I just want to prioritize freedom. God knew we'd be afraid. That's why he said don't fear. That's why he brought the solutions to anxiety. And for some people, maybe it means professional help. Maybe you need to go to somebody who can really understand more about the reasons why you're anxious and what started it and how it happened. But here's what Jesus is doing He's not trying to minimize your fear. He's not trying to say, hey, get over it. He's not just trying to say, that's dumb. What he's trying to do is to provide some solutions and a framework for us to see what fear is like. Now, he starts out in verse 25 when he says, I, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you're going to eat, drink, and what you're gonna put on. So, so when he says don't be anxious about your life, uh, let's just unpack this word anxious for just a minute. So what, is it, what, is it, what does it actually mean? You know, the first aspect of this word for anxious means meditation. It's what, I, it's what I set my mind on. It's what I think about. It's the thoughts that occupy my brain. Does anybody have conversations in your head, right? Have conversations that happen here, that's meditation. Like you think, I've never meditated in my life. That sounds like new age. I don't know what that is. Hey, it's just when you have these thoughts and you're thinking on them, pondering them over and over and over again, just meditating, and they don't go away. Someone described, medit- described uh, anxiety like this as, it's like an uninvited guest who won't shut up. <laughs> it's like an uninvited guest who just keeps talking and talking and talking and talking and talking. And, talking. and that's what it, that's the first component. It's, it's in our mind, right? Anxiety starts right here. Second thing, imagination. Imagination. We are the kings of what-if scenarios. Am I right? Like you wake up in the morning and say, my head hurts. I must have a brain tumor. Like, I don't know. How did, that, how did those two come together? I have no idea. Right? We are so creative when it comes to what-if scenarios. And if this happens, and this small thing turns into this big thing. Like some of you would say that I'm not a creative. I'm not a creative at all. But when it comes to worrying and what-if scenarios, you could plan the next ride at Disney World. You're so creative. Man, we have this ability to create problems. You know, one guy said this, I have a list of problems that I need to solve, and I have another list in my head. So if I solve one, I can just replace it with the one that's in my brain. Because we just worry, and our imagination runs wild. And something small can end up something large. And something large can end up something devastating which the potential of that happening is not probable. So we have this idea, what is it? It's meditation, right? And it's imagination. It's when we hold these thoughts in our mind and they run wild. And then what it does to us, separation. What it does to us, separation. Part of it literally means to pull apart. You have a divided mind. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody? How many people are married in the house? Let me ask you, because I know. Okay, have you ever been in a conversation with your spouse, you ask them a question, they answered it, and you had to ask it again? Does that happen? Is that just me? I guess it's just me. Okay, never mind. Like, you ask a question, I'm like, hey, I know you answered this. Why did, why did I have to ask it again? I can hear, and I'm fairly intelligent. I was not listening because my mind was somewhere else. Maybe you've, you've gone home to someone, or maybe you've been out with dinner with someone, and they're like, you're here, but you're not here. You're here physically, but mentally and emotionally, you are checked out. It's a little bit like texting and driving. Like we've been, been all been told not to text and drive. How many people text and drive? Okay, I got a camera of you. The police are coming for you. But no, right. We we don't text and drive. And here's why. When I'm texting, I'm not in paying to what is most important, am I? I'm paying attention to something that can wait. I'm paying attention to something that is going to cause me to have a wreck, to have some destruction. It's going to cause something to blow up in my life and those around me. That's what testing and driving does. And that's what anxiety does in our life, Jesus is saying. It has this ability to distract us and to get us off focus and we will live small lives. Watch what he says. Let's go back to that verse real quick. He says, don't be anxious about what you're going to eat, drink, what you're going to wear, put on. Isn't life more than food? right?" Jesus is trying to point out your life is made for more. It's not these small things that we worry about. Now, some of us would, may have this tendency to check out when we talk about food and drink because it's like, I'm not worried about what I'm going to eat. I'm just worried about where I'm going to eat. Like that's the biggest worry of my day. And and, But Jesus just wants us to raise the level because he's talking about more than the things that we see that are temporary and right in front of us. Man, He's talking about our lives can shrink to the level of our thoughts. And we got to be careful what we hold on to in our mind because what we hold on to is what controls us. Like we think that what, what we hold on to we control. But have you noticed how it controls us? Like watch this. If I hold this table... It feels like I'm in control, right? Because if I wanted to, I could carry it all the way around. I'm a baller like that. Like I could carry it all the way around. And it's Ikea, so it's not heavy. Um, but, 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 but the reality is, I'm not in, this thing is controlling me. It's limiting me. There are certain things I cannot do because I have decided to hold on to this table. And that is what anxiety does. That's what it does. It captures our thoughts and we are held captive, not the other way around. It's not what happens. So he's like, don't let your life shrink. Don't let your relationship shrink because you're anxious about something else on t- tomorrow or the next day. Like, listen, don't let your leadership shrink to the level of your small thoughts in life. Now, listen, I'm the master at this. I'm not speaking to you as someone who hasn't dealt with this. So when I was a kid, I was eight or nine, and I was having some stomach issues. So my mom takes me to the doctor. And so when she takes me to the doctor, the doctor walks in the room, and I'm sitting on the exam table, and I'm just wiggling my feet like that. And he's like, what is that? Like, why are you doing that? What are you nervous about? So from an early age, right, anxiety has affected me. And so when we got married, we had this, Debbie and I had this agreement. I will worry and she doesn't have to. I am the designated worrier and I will worry enough for both of us. And so that's kind of how we lived our life. And I can remember worrying about money. Number one thing most people worry about. We all have some level of worry about money. How many people worry about money? How many people are liars? Right. So, so here's the thing. The reality is the more money you have, the more you worry about it. The more money you have, the more you worry about it. Now, some of you are thinking, well, I wish God would trust me to worry a little bit. But the more money you have, the more you worry about it. The less you give away, the more it controls you, the more you think about it. Right. It begins to dominate your thoughts. The more you have, the more you worry about it. We all have some level of concern about money. But for me, it was probably a little bit next level because I grew up with that a lot. I can remember we would go our date night was going to the grocery store. Cause I didn't want to spend money. And then when we went to the grocery store, we wouldn't buy potato chips. True story. Y'all I'm not joking. We wouldn't buy potato chips because like that was a little too expensive. So now when you come to my house, because I'm delivered, you come to my house, I got a pantry full of nothing, but barbecue potato chips, right? I got a whole closet just dedicated for barbecue potato chips. Cause I am not afraid. Um, but I can remember like some of you, remember buying your first house for those of you who've had that chance. You bought your first house. You're all excited. I can remember we bought our first house. I was uptight. And so we buy the house and we get there. <clears throat> we have to clean up a little bit. Debbie goes to Walmart to, clean, to buy some cleaning supplies. I lay in the floor in a fetal position, scared to death, worried that I had just ruined my financial future at 23. And some of you are in that same grip of fear and anxiety. and It doesn't feel as acute and painful, but it's... It's dominating your thoughts, and it's driving your behavior. Anybody worry about their kids? Anybody worry about your kids? Yep, worry about your kids. Doesn't matter how old they are, you worry about them. As a matter of fact, the older they get, the more you worry, because the, the consequences are so much bigger, aren't they? I've just told my kids, I don't want to talk to you or see you ever again, so I don't have to worry about you. <laughs> Not true. Not true. But, but think about how we worry about our kids. Like, like what is up? What is up with bicycle helmets. Like how many of you had a helmet when you were riding a bike growing up as a kid? Well, it's obvious for some of you, I can tell. But, now I'm not saying we shouldn't wear helmets, my kids wore helmets, but we have helmets. Like I can remember, you know what a seatbelt was when I was a kid? It was my mom's right arm when she slammed on brakes. Like So I didn't eat the dashboard. Now, I'm all about seatbelts. Like, I wear my seatbelt even if I'm just driving up to the top of the neighborhood. Here's another one. How many of you would rode in the back of a pickup truck on the highway when you were a kid? Right? Yeah, we did that. And Now, I wouldn't put my dog in the back of my pickup truck to ride the top of the neighborhood. But we worry about kids. And certainly, there's some concern we should have. There's some stewardship we should have. But you want, you want a recipe for anxiety? Be a helicopter parent. You want a recipe for a rebellious kid, be a helicopter parent. But we hold on to them and guess who's in charge at our house? Our kids. And God knows there's so much to be concerned about now. Are they in the right school? Are they taking the right classes? Is it AP? Is it honors? Did they get the right coach? Did they get the right teacher? Are they in the right extracurricular activities? Are they spending their time right? And then when you have social media and you have screen time and there's so much to worry about and it begins to just drive our behavior. You may say you're not anxious about it, but it is definitely thinking about it, concerned about it, what are they doing? Like, like, what about some of you are married, your spouse scares you to death. Like, whenever they leave, like, I, I, I hope they don't die. Like, I hope nothing bad happens. Now, everybody hopes that. If you don't, let's get you some counseling. But we all, nobody wants to, but it begins to dominate our thoughts that when they leave the house, I'm never going to see them again. And it begins to, what about insecurity? Anybody deal with that? Like a little fearful of what other people think of you. Am I dressed right? Am I, the people think I'm a failure or I am a failure and I don't want them to know. And we live with insecurity. And then we have media bombarding us with climate change and impeachment and, you know, tragedy and darkness all the time. There was one psychologist I know that's, that, that when he has someone who comes in who's dealing with anxiety, you know what he does? He tells them to turn off the television. First step turn off the television and lo and behold you have social media a driver of anxiety look what I don't have look what they have look the experience they got look where they went look what party I didn't get invited to look 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 and it drives it drives this anxiety in our lives and Jesus says your life's bigger than that don't shrink to the level of the culture and then, and then, he, and then he keeps on going well, I don't even know what verse we're on. Let's just keep going. Look at the birds of the air. Oh, this is you guys, some of you guys are going to love this. Um, <laughs> look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they are? You know what he's saying here? You are more valuable than animals. Got quiet, didn't it? This is not California. You are more valuable than animals. This is just truth. Like you are the crown of creation. When God created humans, said, so "This is good. You are more valuable than Fido." Listen, I'm sorry. You're gonna go home, and your dog's got, you know, his nice throne, and you organize your day about him. Right now, you're worried. Like, I gotta, gotta get home. Gotta get home. Gotta let my dog. Whatever. Like, like you're more valuable than animals. It's like, look at the birds. Like, they don't do any, they don't do any work. They're, they're doing what they know to do, but they can't create food. They just gather food, and you are more valuable than they are. You're more valuable. Here, here's what I would tell you. God's got you. God's got you. Now, I, I loathe Christian cliches. Let go and let God. Well, that sounds easy, right? Like, that's helpless. I mean, but God has got you. He created you. He loves you. He's paying attention to you. He knows your difficulty. He knows your strength. He knows the pain you're going through. He knows your problems. He knows the problems that are coming, not just the ones you're in the midst of. He knows the problems that you're worried about that are going to happen and the ones that aren't. God has got you. Listen, we have to remember this, and sometimes we have to convince ourselves of this because the world will tell us and we'll get distracted that God isn't good and God doesn't have us and God isn't real. Let me tell you, He is. And you can look at the life of Jesus and you can look at the fact that he came for us, how much God loves us. Listen, you value things that you love. You take care of them. You take action for them, don't you? You know, if you are a, if you are, if it, it work, there are certain things that are valuable to you, and you do everything you can to take care of them. It may be the bottom line, it may be your employees, it may be stock price, whatever it is. You do everything you can for, to protect that and to care for that because you value it and you know how important it is. Like in your home, you know, we all have the question: like, if your house were on fire, what would you run in and get? Like, Like, what would you run in and get? Like, what would you run in and get? Like, that's what you value. <coughs> hopefully you'd get the people first, okay? That's a a gimme. If you didn't know that, yes, get people first before your animals, sorry, but then get your animals. And if you can get them both at the same time, even better, just saying. But we know we value people and God came for us. Watch a handful of verses on this idea. God is our refuge and strength. He is a present, not distant, present help in trouble. No weapon that is formed against you shall succeed. Like nothing that is coming after you is going to win. You're going to win. The mountains may depart, the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you. My covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. I can do all things, Tim Tebow wrote this by the way, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I am sure that neither death, life, angels, or rulers, things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. This is how much God loves us. God's got you. God's got you. There's this other verse, um, Psalm 112. Psalm 112. And it talks about bad news. I skipped, it. I skipped it earlier, so it's my fault, but I definitely want to bring it up. Psalm 112 says, the righteous will never be moved. So if I'm trusting in God, I won't be moved. I will, he, will, he will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. Anybody afraid of bad news? Like when your phone rings and you recognize the name, do you wonder what's wrong? Right? God loves you so much, he doesn't want you to be afraid of bad news. God does not want you to always be looking over your shoulder. God does not want you thinking that the worst is going to happen. Because He loves us, God has you. Hey, let's keep going in verse 27. Verse 27. It says, Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to His span of life? Worry doesn't add up, does it? Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single dollar? Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single relationship? Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single win? A single promotion? A single mortgage payment? Like, what is it for you? By worrying about what is it going to add to your life? What's it going to add? And Jesus is like, I got you. Don't let worry overtake you. It doesn't add up. Here's the thing about worry. Worry doesn't stop death. stops life. Worry doesn't stop death. Now, this is a very encouraging thing to talk about at church. You're going to die. Like, not, a, not, not something I'm hoping for, or for most of you. But the reality is, we're going to die. We can't stop it. You know what worry does? It actually makes it come faster. It makes it come faster. Our health deteriorates. We're distracted. And we miss out on the life that God has for us. Think about what happens when you're worried. You're at home and you're distracted. And you're not there for your family. You're you're not there for important decisions. Even though you're physically there, you're not emotionally and mentally there, not spiritually there. (coughs) Your family misses out on everything you have to offer. You wake up every day and think, wait, what did we talk about? Like that happened, I didn't know about it. You're not there, relationally. You are not there. You know, physically, you know, you know that thing that that, that feeling of anxiety you have in your stomach. They call it butterflies. Anybody know what that is? Butterflies. Like I've always wondered why butterflies, because mine feel a lot more like buzzards than butterflies, man. And we have physical problems. We have acid reflux. We have stress in our necks. We wake up with headaches. We don't sleep well. And we end up with stomach problems and kidney problems and heart problems because of anxiety that we're worried and we're focusing and we're letting our mind trap our lives. And it happens to us physically, professionally. Listen, your productivity, percentage points of what it should be because of worry and anxiety. You know, the estimate is billions of dollars lost in productivity at work because of anxiety and stress. I mean, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I'm not that good when I'm all there. Like and if I, if I'm just working on a on three cylinders, man. It's, it's not the best. And when we're distracted and worried and we're not giving our best, your leadership suffers. Think about how much you don't enjoy entertainment. You have tickets to the theater or to a sporting event. Bad time to bring it up, I know, but sporting events or maybe to, you know, maybe to a movie. And the whole time, you're worried, your stomach's churning, you're thinking about a to-do list, and your mind is preoccupied. You can't even enjoy life. This is what happens. Worry, man. Jesus just pointing out, worry does not add up. You see, faith is a control issue. It's a control issue. Anxiety is a control issue. It's, 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 we want to be in control. Now, now, we are all control freaks to a certain level. It's kind of given us what we have, it's made us successful. It's made us win. It's why we're the room mom for our kids. It's why we want to be the team mom. It's why we are helicopter parents. It's why we want to plan and organize this because we like this idea of control. And the most merciful thing God will do for us is let us know we're not. He'll open up our hands. He'll pry something loose to show that he's got it, that God's in control. You know, in verse in verse twenty-eight thirty-two, it's kind of long, but I just want us to let's run back through this so we can get to verse thirty-two. Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies; those are just flowers. Obviously, they don't they don't work. But Solomon in all his glory wasn't clothed like they were. And if God clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, won't He clothe you, O oh, ye of little faith? Don't be anxious saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? For the Gentiles, meaning those who don't follow God, they seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. God knows, right? God knows your circumstance. He's not comparing what you're worrying and belittling you for worrying. Because you know, sometimes you may think, why are you worried about that? Like, that's dumb. Like, that's so small. Of course it's going to work out everything's going to be all right. I think that's another song. And we we tell people that. And and one way to approach anxiety is to say, you know what? You got it so good compared to everybody else. Jesus could have said, man, those Galileans, those guys got it bad, y'all. Like, they got no roads. They got no plumbing. They got no crops. There's been a drought. But that's not what Jesus does. There's a way that I could paint a picture, and many of you have experienced this, of life in other parts of the world that are devastating and that people there would give everything to come here. But guess what? God knows. You don't live there. You live here. And you have these problems and these stresses and these financial pressures and these career dreams. God knows. You don't have to compare with anybody else. Sometimes a perspective check is not bad, but God doesn't do that. He cares about you and your problems and your worry. And then then he keeps on. Seek first the kingdom of God. Like this is his antidote to anxiety. It's what we put first that matters. Because once we do that first, what does he say? All these things will be added to you. Like everything else falls into place. He's not saying that your problems are going to be immediately gone. But as you walk through the minefield of life, God's going to help you navigate those. And and your anxiety will not detonate your dreams any longer. Seek first. He's got to be first. You know, we have a lot of things that we put first. And when we wake up, we decide what we're going to put first every single day. And what God wants us to do is when we put him first, what's going to happen? Your leadership level is going to go up. You're going to have this sense of peace and joy in your heart that it doesn't matter what comes your way. It can't knock you off course. You're going to be able to stand firm in the love of God in such a way that, that you're not worried about bad news. You're not worried about something difficult happening. It doesn't mean that it's not going to be hard. You're not going to have to work. It doesn't mean you can just sit back and God's just going to be like, oh, yeah, it's okay. But what it means is God is going to give you some peace through that struggle. That's what God's going to do. You gotta put him first. You gotta put him first. I mean, the lo- without, without the love of Christ indwelling your heart, you're not gonna make it. There, there's no solution other than trying harder. You can try harder. Guess what that gets? More anxiety, more stress, more wondering, am I doing it right? But when we begin to put God first, you know, as I got into my mid 20s, I was just like, man, this has got to go. I can't live in anxiety the rest of my life. Like, my wife deserves better than this. And so I began down this journey of uncovering what it looked like to not let anxiety paralyze me and detonate in my life. And one of the things that I would do is I just got up every morning and I would just remind myself God's got me. You should get up every morning. You should just write down a piece of paper, a journal, whatever. God's got me. You should remember that. Because it's a battle because there's times you're going to feel like he doesn't. You're going to have times you're going to feel like he's forgotten. God's got me. And then the next thing you do, gratitude. Gratitude. Just write down what you're grateful for. You you may think you're going to have to work at it. But the reality is it's not as hard as you think. And as you begin to write down the things you're grateful for, God just has this way of sinking into your heart all the things he's done and all the ways he will come through for you in the future. Just write down a list. And so I, would, I began to write down things. I would write down my wife. I would write down my house. I would write down my job. I would write down the fact that God loves me and that Jesus died for me. I would write down the fact that I have a cool dog. I would write down all these things that I was grateful for. And it just began, this fog and this, imp- this change of anxiety would begin to lift in my heart. Here's another thing you need to do. Say it out loud. Write this down. Say it out loud. Because the darkness of your own mind can capture you in a reality that is not true. And until you say it out loud, the light of Christ will not shine on it. And when you say it out loud into the world to someone else, it's as if God puts this spotlight on it. And the Bible says this, man, darkness cannot begin to battle against light. Dark, darkness cannot comprehend the light. You have to say it out loud. Because what will happen is when you say it out loud, a few things could happen. Number one, you, you may re- all of a sudden it's going to come out and you're like, oh, wow, that's just a fleeting vapor into the universe. And all of a sudden it's going to release its power over you. And if it is true, if there is something you need to do something about, you have someone with you to hold hands, right? To lock arms and to tackle the problem. Say it out loud to somebody. Say it out loud to somebody. Here's a little trick that I would use. There were times when I couldn't get over some things and I still remember them, but I would write them down on a little note card and I would probably cry like this, but I would write it down on a little note card, put it in an envelope and it's kind of cheesy, but it worked for me. I would write it down put it on, and put it in a little envelope and I would just put God over it and I would just slide it across my desk and put it in a notebook. And that was my way of physically saying, God, you got this. I'm done worrying about it. Now, either you can fix it or not, it's up to you, but I'm not gonna let it control me and hold me prisoner any longer. Like, what's holding you back today? What do you need to tell somebody? What is it you need to write down? What's keeping you in darkness? What is the voice that you keep hearing, the conversation you keep having in your mind? Listen, you need to talk to God about what you're talking to yourself about. You need to talk to God about what you're talking to yourself about. And you just stand in the love of Christ. Listen, I just want to read this passage that connects with the song we sang earlier. And we're going we're gonna to sing it again. In 1 John, John writes these words. John is a man who, you know, we studied this summer. John is a man who at this point in his life has been through seeing his best friend Jesus die. He has been martyred. He has been thrown off buildings. He's been boiled in all. Man, he has withstood everything. Uh, Talking about someone who has a reason to fear and now he's been put in exile as an 80-year-old and he's, he's out alone and he writes these words. He says, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. And this is what the love of God does in our lives. And it casts out fear because his love is perfect. Jesus is perfect. And His love is a father to the fatherless. His love is a home to the homeless. His love wraps up the orphan and gives him a place at the table. His love takes our fear and replaces it. With joy, That is what the perfect love of God can do. He can do it in your life this morning. This is what God wants to do with your anxiety today. Let's pray together. So we're just going to have just a moment just to kind of bow our heads and think about that thing that you've been thinking about. To tell you to think about it's not even something I need to say because you're already thinking about it. And maybe, maybe you're sitting next to someone you know, someone you trust. You just want to, just want to reach over and whisper it in there just to say it out loud. I mean, you just want to get it off your heart and out into God's hands. And the way you do that is just to say it out loud. You know, for some of you, you, you can't experience the freedom from anxiety because you don't understand the love of Jesus for you. And you've never decided to follow him. Oh, let me just tell you about it. God loved you so much, He sprung into action sent jesus sent Jesus to come to give you a whole heart to forgive you of your sins, to replace your beauty, to replace beauty with for ashes. man He came to replace anxiety with peace, and He came to give you joy in the midst of hopelessness this is, this is who our God is and, and the way that you experience that in your life is just to begin to follow him, to seek him first to actually engage him, to get to the bottom of God is what that means. And you just say, Jesus, I believe you came for me, that you died for my sins. And I trust that you will give me a future. Man, when you begin to walk with Jesus, the Bible says you have a new heart, a new creation, that now you have the tools you need to move through anxiety and fear, to not just let fear detonate your dreams any longer. It's a statement of life. It's a conviction of your heart that you're gonna be different. God will make you different. This is what grace does. You know, for some you have just let fear drive your behavior and everything you do is how you make decisions. It's how you parent. It's about what won't happen and you've just played the game afraid and you're living a small life. Today's the day for you to make a declaration fear is not going to have that power over you anymore. That you will not be a slave to fear. God, we know that we live in a climate of fear and there's uh, wolf lurking around every single corner. Seems like some disasters waiting for us every time we turn on the TV or read the newspaper God or read our Twitter feed and so God I just ask today you'd help us to see that and help us to acknowledge the concerns we have but Lord help us to live a life that's more, a life that's bigger, a life that you have for us of purpose God, of leadership. God help us to stop living these half lives because we've been half distracted so much of our life. God I pray for parents here and that the the, the time that's been stolen from them because of their fear that you would restore that. God, at work, that we would step into the fullness of who you've created us to be, God. And we just pray, Lord, that as we go forth into the world, as we see your kingdom come, as we expand your kingdom, God, that you would help us to be able to point people to you in a way of never before because we live differently and we live with the peace of God because of the love of God. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, what we want to do today is just to make this declaration together, to worship together, to say, God, you got, you got me. God, I believe you today. And God, I want to just place you first today. And I'm not going to let fear control me, that I'm going to stand in the love of Christ. So if you would, let's stand together and let's worship.